Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch. We are broadcasting live today from the beautiful Shale Studios. Kim, let's talk about Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine. What's going on in the magazine? Well, you know, Alvin, we just released our latest issue of Shale, and it's celebrating women in the energy industry. You know, every first of the year, we try to have all the women who are in oil and gas uh, featured in Shale. And so this year... The team did an amazing job of really uh, finding the real gems in the oil and gas, the females that are really shoring up the oil and gas industry. And, you know, it, it makes me proud being a female as well. Um, you know, according to the labor statistics, there is a larger population than ever before of women coming into the oil and gas sector. So this is an important issue for us uh, to cover these ladies. Our cover is... Sharon Sperlin, and she is the vice president as well as treasurer for Plains All-American Pipeline, LLC, an amazing company, publicly traded company, and we're really excited to bring her story to our readers as well as many, many, many women that are being featured in this issue of Shell Magazine. Kim, let's take just a minute and talk about women in the oil and gas industry. I mean, you've been around the oil and gas industry for several years now. You've been in business for yourself for lots of years. Yeah, don't give my age away. (laughs) (laughs) But let's just talk about how women have have moved to the forefront in the equality issues uh, in in business today. You know, I think that oil and gas has definitely um, opened up to and warmed up to the idea that women have a lot to offer and give uh, in this sector. And it, it shows with the amount of women that are coming in, but truly from uh, attorneys, there's uh, chief financial officers, there's women engineers, uh, landmen, you name it, from all ends, from upstream to downstream, you find women. And not just uh, women that are um, at the field level, but also at the executive level as well. And so they're very intertwined. Of course, I would love to see more. I think that we still have more uh, to go as far as making women understand this is a great profession, high paying, great benefits, um, and great companies to work for. But I think the word is getting out slowly, and we just see a lot more women moving into oil and gas. In terms of opportunities, do you see more opportunities at the executive levels for women or more opportunities in, you know, the the boots on the ground type of jobs? In in all fairness, I think that I've seen both. Um, There are a lot of female executives and female uh, professionals in the industry. There are also a lot of uh, young graduates that are actually boots on the ground out there learning the engineering, the water aspect, hydrogeologist. Um, You just, it, it, land man there's they're all over there i think it's a combination of both is equally filled in both areas so this issue women in industry great issue um i've got to kind of peek through the magazine and let me tell you your, your team did a phenomenal job as always 
putting Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine together. Uh, cover party's coming up pretty soon? Yes, it's going to be in February, and uh, it is where our advertisers are invited in to actually network with some of our oil and gas executives and the individual and their team that is on our cover. So uh, what a great benefit when you advertise with Shell Magazine to be invited into an exclusive party uh, that only the advertisers get to come in and network at the highest level with our executives. Now, if somebody wants to see the magazine online or to contact the magazine, how do they do that? They can always go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. So it stands for shalemag.com. Again, that's shalemag.com. Or they can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, the number is 210-240-7188. Shalemag.com is also a great place to pick up the podcasts of In the Oil Patch. Very, yes, this is true, as well as, uh, you know, there's so much that you can find on our website. Uh, I, a funny story, uh, over the holidays, uh, we were kind of a victim of our own success, Alvin, in the sense that um, we had so much traffic coming into our website that it actually crashed for about four days, and we had to relocate and migrate our website over to a hosting company that could take the just the demand of traffic that's coming into the website now. And I do believe that part of it is to hear the podcast of our show, as well as look at what's going on, where are we at in, in the oil patch or the latest issues of Shell Oil and Gas Business Magazine. In the Oil Patch Radio Show, we've grown by leaps and bounds over the last year. We, you know, we really don't even have a full year under our belt yet, but we're now doing the show from our flagship Shale Studios. And what other markets are we in? Well, you know, we started with KTSA 550 AM, and we grew into KWEL, which is 1070 AM, which is the Midland Odessa area. And then we were picked up by iHeartRadio as well, which is KTRH 740 AM. Big markets, potential of 1.2 million listeners. So I definitely would say by looking at the numbers of listens that we have on our podcast alone, that we have a huge following for our show. And I couldn't be more excited. People want to learn about oil and gas. Well, and that's that's very important that you brought up the podcast because you can go to shalemag.com and you can listen to all of the podcasts. We do catalog those on a weekly basis. So you can go back and listen to the very first show or the most recent show. Or on iHeartRadio, they have their app that you can download and you can listen to it and stream when we're on, as well as you can click on our show and it's there as well. So there are multiple ways to hear our show, multiple ways of finding us. Uh, anyone who's interested in being a guest, I'd also uh, like to encourage them to reach out to us. Uh, they can contact us through radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shellmag.com. And tell us what you want to talk about. If it's an interesting topic, I think we would love to have them on the show. Yeah, you know, there's tons and tons of great stories out there that, that you know, may not be an oil and gas company, but it may be oil and gas related. And those are great stories that we do want to share here on the show. Also, we do have some room for some advertisers on the show. Exactly. We do business profiles in which we will cover your business, how long you've been in business, and anything that a business would like us to cover that makes them unique, we want to spotlight them. So we certainly uh, would like for anyone interested in getting a business spotlight to contact us as well at radio at shellmag.com. 2015 was an interesting year. Wow, have we have this this show's grown just so fast by leaps and bounds it's hard to to fathom 
the number of listens that we get to this show? I think it has a lot to do, Alvin, with the host, of course. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, it's our guest. It's these experts that come on and help us break down these topics. And I think it's the great stations that we have selected to carry our message and to help us be the voice in communicating oil and gas and its topics. Well, we're, we're into 2016. It's a new year. What do you see on the horizon for the radio show? We'll go to the magazine in a second, but what do you see on the horizon for the radio show this year? Well, I, I do believe that the radio show will grow uh, by stations as well this year. And I think that uh, we will also have new partners that will come in and want to facilitate us growing into larger market areas. So that's the goal for the radio show. And for the magazine, some of the things we've accomplished in 2015 have been a state of energy, which we will continue those. They will now become annual events for us. We also have a new redesign on our magazine as well, that uh, a new fresh look. After four years, it was time to spruce up our look. Um, every so often, it's really good, like an advertiser will change out their ad uh, we also wanted to have that same effect to just tweak it a little bit differently to where it has a little bit of a different look. Um, and we really, really like the new look and we hope our readers will as well. Nothing has changed in the categories and the type of topics that we write on. Um, our covers are still the same. Every, the model is still the same. It's really just the inside of how it is laid out has changed just a little bit. Okay. So when, when do we see the new look? This issue, January, February, uh, hits the stands this week, and um, you will see the new look throughout the whole issue. So be sure and get yourself a copy of Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine. It hits the shelf this week. This week, this week you'll find it out in Where stores, it? hotels, uh, HEB, depending on what market you're in. Um, there's also subscriptions. And, of course, the easiest way, honestly, of finding us, if you don't need a hard copy, is just simply go to our website, shellmag.com. With that, we do need to take a break. We'll be right back. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. From oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Amerijet.com. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here, just like I am every week in the oil patch, right alongside you, fighting for a strong, responsible, successful, and sustainable oil and gas industry right here in the great state of Texas. Both on this show and as a fleet specialist for the Caleb Auto Group, I get to keep a first-hand perspective on the hard work that goes into making this such a great industry. And trust me, I understand how important it is to maintain both your company's image, the reliability, and the integrity of your fleet and you can't break the bank doing it. So whether your fleet action plan requires leasing, buying outright, or something that falls kind of in between, I can help you. 
K-League Fleet Sales represents 11 brands and 16 stores that include Ford, Ram trucks, and Toyota trucks on the heavy-duty side, and Lincoln, Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, and Lexus on the luxury side. Hey, time is money, so our service departments offer pickup and delivery and rapid response to get you back on the road quickly. I would love the opportunity to help you keep your fleet plan rolling, so let's talk. Call me at area code 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656. Or you can email me directly, abailey at kaligauto.com. That's abailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y, at kaligauto, K-A-H-L-I-G-A-U-T-O.com. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Hi, and welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, along with our host, Kim Bellotto. Kim, I believe it's time to bring our guest, Dr. Tom Tunstall, onto the show. Take it away. Thank you, Alvin. Yes, welcome, Dr. Tom Tunstall, back into studio. Uh, I'd like to uh, let our listeners know that you have been on the show quite frequently talking to us about oil and gas topics as well as you're an advisor with Shell Magazine. So welcome back. Thanks. Thanks, Kim. Dr. Tunstall, um, where do you work? And tell us a little bit about the department, the university, and what's the mission of the area that you are serving at UTSA? Well, I work at the University of Texas at San Antonio Institute for Economic Development. Uh, we've got about 12 programs that address really all aspects of economic development, whether it's uh, the small business development centers uh, that work with, not surprisingly, small businesses that uh, uh, our geography coverage area stretches roughly from El Paso to Corpus Christi. We have a rural uh, business program that works with community leaders in that same South Texas geography, working with them on uh, issues related to long-term planning uh, and growth, and and, uh, and and you know, trying to avoid population decline, which a lot of rural communities in Texas uh, struggle with. The Small Business Development Center network actually stretches uh, outside the U.S. into Mexico, Latin America, uh, and the Caribbean. Uh, uh, including South America. We have partners uh, in in most of those countries, and uh, uh, they're turning into important trade partners for for the U.S. So, uh, like I said, really kind of a variety of of programs. And and the function of the Institute uh, is essentially uh, what we call economic development extension services. If uh, if Texas A&M is known for agricultural extension, where they take the uh, discoveries and, and research findings developed within their university uh, and, and try to apply those in the real world, uh, that's what we do with economic development. And it's part of UTSA's uh, Tier 1 uh, mission. Really, Tier 1 institutions are defined by research excellence, teaching excellence, and also community outreach. And, and that's a, an important part of, of uh, and probably the biggest part of the mission at uh, UTSA's Institute for Economic Development. Uh, Very important, especially when a lot of businesses don't have access to experts um, and definitely could use the services that you guys provide. And you guys also hold uh, community meetings and invite small businesses to come in and learn. And you work with these 
small business owners to help them get to where they need to go. Who is funding uh, the research and the institute? The funding comes really from a variety of sources. Uh, The SBA Small Business Administration funds a lot of the Small Business Development Center activity. The uh, the international uh, efforts that we have in terms of the SBDC network in places like Mexico and Latin America come from uh, USAID, which is a uh, uh, falls under the auspices of the U.S. State Department. The Eagle for Chale Community Development Program, which works at a grassroots level with community leaders uh, uh, in, uh, uh, on issues like long-term planning and, and grant development, is, is funded through the uh, Economic Development uh, Administration, which is a subset of the Department of Commerce. So uh, between federal and state agencies, that's where uh, you know, the bulk of uh, our funding comes from. Um, and then, of course, with the research arm uh, that I'm in charge of, uh, we, we get some of that funding, but uh, a lot of our uh, projects uh, receive the, the bulk of their funding from uh, sponsors like STEER, uh, America's Natural Gas Alliance, uh, sometimes the Texas Workforce Commission. Um, uh, the study we did in West Texas was actually funded in part by the communities out in West Texas that were interested in understanding what the economic impacts of the Klein Shell were going to be to their area. You have, um, in these past couple of years, with uh, Eagle Ford that is just We've had this boom, and now we're, the dust is kind of settled. Tell me what you think about the outlook for these counties that have seen this high drilling and dealt with this big boom, and now they, I won't say a bust because I don't believe it's a bust, but what is their uh, outlook, and um, are you guys assisting these counties out there of how to uh, better prepare when the price of oil goes back up? and uh, their towns get busy again. Let's talk a little bit about what do you see happening with these counties right now and how you're assisting them. It's important, Kim, to note that, yeah, you're right, it's not a bust. Uh, What we're looking at now is the depressed production because the price of crude oil is so low. In terms of what the Eagle for Shale, for example, has produced today, it's probably around 1.4 or 1.5 billion barrels. See, total estimates of ultimately recoverable uh, crude oil and Eagleford range from 10 to 12 billion barrels. So there's lots of oil left there. Uh, it's just a question of whether it can be brought out economically or not. And, at, you know, below $30 a barrel, it gets increasingly hard to do. With regard to the communities in South Texas, there's really a, a, a couple of issues. One, obviously, is is the impact that the, the low price of oil and the correspondingly low rig count has had on the, the activity there. Uh, Going from over 200 rigs to to around 80 means that uh, fewer uh, teams are required uh, for for the, the drilling rigs because there are fewer of them, so there are just fewer workers in the area. Uh, restaurants that were jam-packed uh, 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 at various parts of the day, uh, hotels that were were running at Full virtually capacity. 100% occupancy, uh, you know, have rooms now and, and, and you can get tables in restaurants. So so those follow-on aspects or follow-on, the multiplier effects have certainly had an impact and things have slowed down. But the other aspect of, of development, and this is where the long-term sustainability issue comes in, is the extent to which the communities in South Texas and really anywhere where there's there's oil and gas activities is have they been able to at least take steps toward diversifying their economy? And, and the evidence suggests that there are several communities that have, in fact, uh, done so. Uh, Pleasanton, birthplace of the cowboy, uh, uh, has uh, you know some new housing developments going in, uh, and they're working on on uh, 
uh, a variety of efforts to uh, turn themselves into something of a destination location, as is Gonzales, uh, as is Card City. In the case of Catula, uh, I've mentioned this on previous shows, but they're they're working to kind of become a, tr- a free trade zone because of their location on I-35, and they happen to be kind of the right distance between some key agricultural areas in, in Mexico. So it's a good staging point for uh, truckers coming in or, or coming from or going to Mexico. So, uh, you know, to the extent the communities have been able to diversify themselves, that's another buffer against this sort of a downturn, which uh, in the oil industry, which we, you know, those of us that have been around, been around the block on this a few times, like the good folks in West Texas who've been through these cycles many, many times, understand that uh, this, something like this was, was bound to happen sooner or later. Well, Dr. Tunstall, I'd like to ask what, in your opinion, what do these towns and cities and counties need to prepare for over the next few years? But first, we do need to take a break. We'll be right back with more in the oil patch. Hey, 2016 is a great time to grow your business, and there is no time like the present to improve the awareness of your brand. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210 210- 2407188 again 2102407188 Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs shipping manufactured oversized parts oil and gas field equipment or supplies domestically or internationally Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. From oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Amerijet.com. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connecting rural West Texas communities where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. 
Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey along with our host Kim Bellotto and our special guest in studio today is Dr. Tom Tunstall. Dr. Tunstall, we were talking before the break about what you think some of these small towns and municipalities and counties need to do as far as diversifying in the downturn. What, do you, what is your outlook for the future? I mean, we've talked about you can get a hotel room now. There's room in restaurants where you can sit down and have a meal. Obviously, that's going to affect sales tax revenues. What do these towns need to do in order to sustain themselves over the next two or three years, in your opinion? Hopefully, with regard to the sales tax revenues, when they were up, that they stewarded the money wisely, uh, either in the case of Pleasanton, they built a, a new library that was, was much needed and a community uh, community center. And Cotula had wanted to build a, a baseball park for a lot of years and, and just never had the money to do it. And, and so they used some of their tax revenues for that. Uh, in, in other cases where communities may not have had uh, sort of, if you will, shovel-ready projects, uh, then uh, hopefully they were uh, smart enough to bank the money until they, they had uh, either infrastructure or other types of projects to, uh, to tap into. Uh, but uh, the, the key will be for communities to, uh, and each one is going to be different, to uh, much the way a business sort of undertakes a strategic analysis to understand what their inherent strengths may be, whether uh, they have uh, historical tourism opportunities, for example, as is the case of Gonzales, uh, recreational tourism or, uh, or ecotourism. And, and uh, South Texas has lots of uh, ecotourism opportunities. Everybody, I think, tends to be familiar with the, the, the hunting, both um, sort of conventional and, and exotic hunting. But uh, wildlife photography uh, is an interesting way uh, that ranches are able to generate some income as well. With West Texas, they have uh, tourism opportunities, mostly uh, in the form of historical tourism. Um, and they've done some revitalization of, of downtowns. The, the, their challenge uh, has a lot to do with the fact that the s- cities there tend to be f- very spread out. Usually they're uh, 90 minutes to two hours away from each other, and, and they're, they're certainly uh, a, a decent distance from uh, the, the triangle uh, where the bulk of Texas lives, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Austin, and San Antonio, uh, Texas Triangle, if you will. Uh, but, uh, but regardless of, of where these cities are, there was a reason they came into being in the first place, and there are very likely opportunities for these communities to uh, uh, to find ways to, to create long-term sustainability. And that's, uh, again, really kind of the focus of our ongoing research. That's great, Dr. Tunstall. Um, over the years, you've done some great research projects. Uh, that have taken you all over the world, and most recently, some have been on Mexico's energy reform. How is the reform that's occurring in Mexico going to, and will it change anything for U.S. producers, besides the fact that now they can go into Mexico? Is there any really great uh, things that you see that will be occurring in the future for, of course, Mexico and U.S. uh, producers? I think there there certainly will be opportunities for, for U.S. producers uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, uh, to the extent that uh, the shale opportunities are tapped in Mexico, it's it's the unconventional techniques that make this possible. Those were pioneered in the U.S., uh, and an awful lot of the activity has been in uh, the south and west Texas areas uh, adjacent to Mexico. Uh, so proximity alone uh, gives Texas a, a huge uh, advantage. Uh, Prior to energy reform, in order to operate in Mexico, 
because Pemex was the state-owned monopoly oil company uh, and energy regulator as well, uh, it was it was hard to basically you had to subcontract to, to Pemex. Uh, there will still be opportunities to subcontract to Pemex or to joint venture with them as they're likely to do for deep water opportunities, for example, uh, perhaps shallow water opportunities as well. Uh, but uh, over time, as energy reform continues its implementation, there will be uh, opportunities for energy companies to operate more or less independently from from Pemex. And so it will be interesting to see uh, see how that pans out. We're already going to be seeing, uh, uh, I believe it's in 2016, that uh, uh, competition will be allowed at the retail level for gasoline sales in Mexico, and Pemex won't necessarily be the only supplier of gasoline. Uh, so a lot of encouraging things on the horizon, but uh, you know the implementation of energy reform is you know is is really key. Passage was, of the law was one thing; implementation is is a whole other animal. No doubt, uh, for Mexico, this was historical. So, Dr. Tunstall, in your opinion, are there some really important events that have occurred in the history of the industry, oil and gas specifically, that have brought us to the point where we are now? And that's a great question, Kim. We do need to take a break. We'll get the answer to that question and more on the other side. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. Ever feel like you've hit a wall with your business? Like you haven't been able to turn the corner on a new avenue for your company? Well, Turning Point Strategies is here to help. Turning Point Strategies is for those startup companies or companies that have been doing very well, but maybe want to move to the next level or are at a turning point. They're looking to think outside the box, and that's where we come in. We provide those different strategies to help them turn the corner at that point where they need consulting services. At Turning Point Strategies, we can not only help you turn the corner, we will give you insight on how to prevent yourself from hitting another plateau. We have helped a lot of different companies at many different levels succeed. Call us today at 210-227-5678. Again, that number is 210-227-5678. And visit our website, turningpointstrategies.com. Again, that's turningpointstrategies.com. Are you at your turning point? Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here, just like I am every week in the oil patch, right alongside you, fighting for a strong, responsible, successful, and sustainable oil and gas industry right here in the great state of Texas. Both on this show and as a fleet specialist for the Caleb Auto Group, I get to keep a first-hand perspective on the hard work that goes into making this such a great industry. And trust me, I understand how important it is to maintain both your company's image, the reliability, and the integrity of your fleet and you can't break the bank doing it. So whether your fleet action plan requires leasing, buying outright, or something that falls kind of in between, I can help you. Kalig Fleet Sales represents 11 brands and 16 stores that include Ford, Ram trucks, and Toyota trucks on the heavy-duty side, and Lincoln, Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, and Lexus on the luxury side. Hey, time is money, so our service departments offer pickup and delivery and rapid response to get you back on the road quickly. I would love the opportunity to help you keep your fleet plan rolling, so let's talk. Call me at area code 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656. Or you can email me directly, abailey at kaligauto.com. 
That's A Bailey, B A I L E Y, at Kalig Auto, K A H L I G A U T O.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, along with our host, Kim Bellotto. And in studio today is Dr. Tom Tunstall. Dr. Tunstall, before we went to break, Kim asked you what, in your opinion, are some of the most important events that have happened in the history of the industry that have kind of brought us to where we are now. But I think you're, you're such a, a walking encyclopedia of history with the industry. Talk about the evolution of the oil and gas industry in the U.S. In, in the U.S., oil was the first oil well was was actually drilled in Pennsylvania, uh, and it's funny because up until shale discoveries, they had in a lot of ways kind of gone gone dormant. Uh, their fields have long since matured, and uh, uh, you know if you go uh, kind of fast forward from there from the mid 1800s. Uh, to 1901, when Spindletop first started gushing, that's when Texas began to get involved in the oil and gas industry in, in a big way, the oil industry in, in particular, uh, because it was not only Spindletop, but then in 1921, wells started be started to be completed in the Permian Basin, and then in 1930, the East Texas oil field was discovered, uh, and and those are the events that really ensured that. Uh, Texas was and stayed on the map with regard to U.S. oil production. At various points in history, other states have produced more oil than Texas, but uh, since you know basically the early 1900s, I, I don't think anybody's uh, really even come close. And with these uh, unconventional uh, shale fields, uh, like the Eagleford and, and like the, the the many strata of shale in the in the Permian Basin, uh, the U.S. by far produces more oil than any other state in the U.S. Well, you're absolutely correct, Alvin. Uh, Dr. Tunstall is definitely a walking encyclopedia, being able to remember the dates and the places and people. Um, Dr. Tunstall, are there any key projects that you're working on in 2016 that you want to share with us? We're working with uh, Bear County right now on a project to understand uh, why more minority-based businesses aren't uh, uh, competing for county contracts, uh, trying to understand whether it's uh, capacity uh, in the firms uh, or, or if the bureaucracy is, is actually uh, an impediment. Uh, so that's sort of an interesting project that we're working on. But related to oil and gas, uh, we're, we're looking at or we will be uh, uh, analyzing the economic impact of LNG, that's liquefied natural gas export facilities in Texas. There are uh, Six of them uh, either operating or under construction or, or undergoing the permitting process. Uh, one in the Beaumont, Port Arthur area, one in Freeport, one in Corpus Christi, and three in the Brownsville area. Uh, and, and so, and, and given that an inexpensive LNG export facility represents about $3 billion of investment and an expensive one can be as much as $12 billion, these are not in inconsequential projects, and they're going to have a significant economic impact. And so we want to try to measure uh, as precisely as we can what that will be. Uh, we're also likely to take a look at the impact of uh, the, the missions, the Alamo and the other four missions south of, of, of San Antonio, because of their recent designation uh, as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's likely to uh, create even more interest in, in, uh, in tourism in those areas. Uh, and then also we're, we're likely to take a look at the uh, impact of Fiesta on the San Antonio economy based on the number of visitors and local uh, uh, attendees for that event. Very interesting 2016 looking forward 
uh, to seeing some of the research that comes out on that. Um, you are the Senior Research uh, Director for the Institute of Economic Development at UTSA. So what has been your time with UTSA, what has been the, one of the most rewarding accomplishments during your tenure? The, I've been with the Institute for a little over four years now. And, you know, one of the things for me that was interesting just from a career standpoint was uh, the realization, uh, I won't say halfway, but part of the way through it, that uh, while I, I found uh, interest in, in working with businesses at, at uh, you know, sort of the individual level, interesting where I really, really uh, uh, found my niche, if you will, was, was uh, in economic development. I, I had... Uh, um, the consulting firm I was working for had projects in Afghanistan and Azerbaijan and, and other locations. And uh, had, I had the opportunity to go out there uh, in, the, in, in Afghanistan, for example, in the post-9-11 environment to try to help that country rebuild its economy. And, and that's where I realized that I really, really did enjoy economic development. Uh, but having said that, after being gone uh, from Texas uh, for so long on such a regular basis, uh, I guess I'm like a lot of folks that have left Texas. So we're, we, a lot of us are just uh, always looking for a way to get back. And so when the opportunity at UT San Antonio presented itself, uh, it was it was really irresistible. I and uh, I sort of have the best of both worlds. I get to work in Texas, and uh, or be based in Texas, do a lot of work in Texas, and and on my favorite topic, which is economic development. Very nice. Well, Dr. Tom Tunstall, thanks for sharing some of the highlights that we have coming into 2016. But I'm also curious, what are your thoughts on working for a Tier 1 university? I mean, UTSA is just an amazing uh, university. And so how have you enjoyed your time with the university? It's important to note, Kim, that actually uh, UT San Antonio is, is not yet a Tier 1 university. It's what we aspire to. And that's important for a variety of reasons. One of the things, and a lot of people will ask me this, is what, what, so if, we, if UTSA becomes a Tier 1 university, what does that mean? Well, communities that have Tier 1 universities are typically associated with more federal research dollars, more business startups, more patent applications, and higher quality PhDs. So they do have an impact, a significant impact, on the area economy. Uh, just witness, if you will, the impact that uh, uh, UT Austin uh, has had on on that city uh, and, and the, uh, the the, the large right. number of high qualified uh, college graduates and the real tragedy of of the whole story is that Texas only has three tier one universities we have the University of Texas at Austin Texas a m College Station and Rice University and that's where the list ends and if you look at other states California for example they have six tier one universities I'm sorry nine tier one universities six of those tier one universities are in their University of California system whereas in Texas there's just one in the University of Texas system right now New York 20 uh, I'm sorry has 19 million people far fewer than Texas which has 27 million people they have six tier one universities interesting. Based on population alone, Texas should should probably have seven or eight tier one universities. And like I said, we only have three. And and so uh, we're not the only ones uh, trying UT San Antonio, but we certainly hope to become one of those tier one universities in Texas because uh, the the number currently in Texas is is woefully short of where it needs to be. Well, I I agree, and I think we do need that. So good luck, and hopefully we can get uh, UTSA designated as a tier one. Guys, this is a great topic, but we do need to take a break real quick. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. 
Ever feel like you've hit a wall with your business? Like you haven't been able to turn the corner on a new avenue for your company? Well, Turning Point Strategies is here to help. Turning Point Strategies is for those startup companies or companies that have been doing very well, but maybe want to move to the next level or are at a turning point. They're looking to think outside the box, and that's where we come in. We provide those different strategies to help them turn the corner at that point where they need consulting services. At Turning Point Strategies, we can not only help you turn the corner, we will give you insight on how to prevent yourself from hitting another plateau. We have helped a lot of different companies at many different levels succeed. Call us today at 210-227-5678. Again, that number is 210-227-5678. And visit our website, turningpointstrategies.com. Again, that's turningpointstrategies.com. Are you at your turning point? Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connecting rural West Texas communities, where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, along with our host, Kim Bellotto. And our in-studio guest today here at Shale Studios is Dr. Tom Tunstall. So, uh, Dr. Tunstall, I want to get, I want to change gears just a little bit and bring us uh, back to a topic that is consistently in the media, and that is OPEC. And some of it uh, is uh, a topic that... Um, is very large in looking at is OPEC still vital? Is OPEC still necessary? What is the future of OPEC uh, for its cartel? And so talk to me a little bit about what you believe is happening currently with OPEC and what do you foresee happening to OPEC in the near future? Right now, OPEC is is under a lot of strain uh, because of the decision Saudi Arabia made uh, in uh, around Thanksgiving of 2014, which was to uh, stop attempting to maintain oil prices at or around $100 a barrel by cutting their own production. They had made a similar attempt to do that in the mid-'80s and, and basically gave up in, 95, in 1985 and, and opened up production full tilt, much the way they did back uh, in uh, uh, November of 2014. Uh, their decision to do that obviously has had a huge impact on worldwide prices, in part because uh, not so much because of the additional production, um, but more because of uh, the market's expectations that they would uh, manage their production downward to, to control prices. Uh, you know, I think people have tended to give OPEC more credit than they deserve 
uh, with regard to their ability to, to control oil prices. Uh, their other members don't like to cut back production, regardless of what the price is, and, and we're, certain, we're certainly seeing that now. And uh, even when they've had quotas, OPEC members have tended to exceed those quotas anyway. Uh, so it's 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 a temp- as as with a lot of cartels, it's 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 tough to keep everybody in line, and so that's one of the things OPEC has has struggled with. And uh, you know, right now their members want an emergency meeting uh, in, in February of 2016. To, to try to come to an agreement on lowering production across the board. Uh, although, frankly, even if they make that agreement, there's no guarantee that member countries won't overproduce anyway, as they have in the past. With OPEC, I think that they're, uh, if they do pull a meeting together in February, I, I think they're likely to, at least nominally, come to an agreement. Uh, and, and, and then part of the fun will be to watch and see whether uh, their members actually adhere to the terms. Uh, there's there's an awful lot of oil being produced worldwide, not only by OPEC members but by non-OPEC members, such as uh, Russia, uh, uh, Mexico, uh, certainly the U.S. Uh, and, uh, and and Iran is is very likely to start producing. Uh, uh, well, they've actually produced uh, somewhere between 30 and 40 million barrels, uh, but they'll be allowed to to start selling it on the world market. Uh, so, uh, so with regard to oil prices, certainly for 2016, I, I think it's hard to see them making much progress to the upside. I, 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 th- I think, uh, based on what prices have been doing recently, I, I, I think it uh, would be uh, fairly astonishing to see prices get anywhere near $50 a barrel, for example. Um, and so, in response, what we're seeing are significant capital cutbacks, uh, not only by the private companies, the major oil companies, uh, and, and of course, shell producers, uh, but even by state-owned uh, energy companies. A couple in uh, uh, Asia, for example, recently announced significant capital, including one in China, uh, announced significant capital cutbacks. And uh, that will eventually have an impact, but capital, by definition, is, is uh, you know, long-term investment. And, and so, you know, that won't start showing up in production numbers until, uh, you know, probably at the earliest, uh, the, you know, toward the end of 2016 and possibly, uh, you know, later than that, um, which is interesting because in a way it sort of sows the seeds for the next uh, uh, production shortage, if you will, as demand presumably steadily increases as it historically has when those capital cutbacks start to, to catch up uh, to and, and starts resulting in lower production, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes to respond to that. Now, having said that, the shale producers are in the best position to ramp back up production, Quickly. if you will, mm-hmm. because their cost per well is so much lower than uh, the, uh, the types of large capital-intensive projects that, are, uh, that the majors uh, tend to employ. And uh, so, so, you know, we'll see. But, uh, you know, if anything, probably the most interesting aspect from a geopolitical standpoint is that because of the unconventional business model being employed, really the U.S. is now the swing producer. We actually do have the ability probably to a greater extent than anyone else uh, in, in a, in a, on a relatively short term. And, and it's, you know, it's all relative, but if you're talking about 10 years versus a year, you know, a year starts to look like short term. We, you know, we, we can manage our production much more effectively than, say, other countries that um, if, if 
they embark on a project that's going to take 10 years to produce its first barrel of oil, uh, you know, that's an awfully long window. Shale wells are completed uh, in in half a month these days, and uh, so uh, to some extent we can turn and turn it on and off, you know, more quickly than other places can. Now, I don't want to underemphasize or pay short shrift to the impact it has on the workforce because that's very hard, you know, for for True, workers to respond. Yeah, exactly to, to 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 deal with those types of of changes. And so hopefully we'll find more of a uh, an equilibrium that occurs that maybe as oil uh, starts to uh, move up to say uh, forty, fifty, maybe sixty dollars a barrel. That shale production increases and 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 essentially puts a cap on on the price of oil. Um, we may, in fact, it's very possible, much the way we've seen with natural gas, that uh, those prices become uh, more moderate and more predictable over a long period of time, which makes it easier for business planning and and. Uh, we don't tend to have the oil price shocks that have been often typical of the industry in uh, uh, in the past. So, Dr. Tunstall, we had Omar uh, in studio, and uh, he was kind of weighing in on the recent lifting of the export ban. Tell us, um, as far as you know, what is going to be the impact in lifting this ban, and will it have on the economy, and will it specifically have an impact here in Texas? It- Yes, it will have an impact in Texas. It's it's going to be initially uh, a fairly marginal impact. I mean, we're not going to see the price of uh, West Texas Intermediate uh, uh, shoot up. What what has been interesting that's happened so far is that the price differential between West Texas Intermediate and Brent crude has has narrowed. I, in fact, uh, for a few days this past week, I, I watched uh, uh, to see or I could see West Texas Intermediate selling at a premium, slight premium, to Brent crude. So that's encouraging. Uh, it means that now. Essentially, Brent, uh, not only Brent crude, but West Texas Intermediate can be sold, you know, pretty much anywhere in the world. Uh, and and uh, so that marginal uh, uh, bump in prices or, or at least narrowing of the gap uh, is, is going to be useful. I shouldn't say price increase because what we've been watching here lately is oil prices, you know, continue to fall. Uh, but at least uh, we don't have to watch uh, West, West Texas Intermediate being sold at such a discount to uh, Brent crude. Dr. Tunstall. Take a moment and let's unpack what we know about this legislation on on lifting the export ban. Well, what's interesting about it is is it really just brings the export of West Texas Intermediate uh, into parity with other products that we already export and have been exporting in, in a lot of cases for a long time. Uh, the U.S. Uh, has has never had a ban on the export of refined products, crude oil that's been processed through refineries. Uh, uh, in fact. Uh, uh, we're at record levels of export of, of refined products, which include things like uh, gasoline, diesel fuel, jet fuel. Uh, and and with the permits that have recently been uh, approved by the federal government, uh, we, we are now just about ready. Uh, in fact, I think the first shipments have, have occurred of uh, liquefied natural gas to other countries. Uh, and so the fact that we can now, again, export crude oil uh, really uh, – you know, is, 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 if nothing else, just kind of brings our export policy, uh, uh, it, it makes it more consistent across the board. Looking at this from, a, from the point of view of, of the energy industry on a world level, what impact is being able to export liquid, liquefied natural gas and, and natural gas to countries that don't have access to cheap energy? How is that going to 
change the dynamics of the world, in your opinion? Well, it's interesting that the prices for natural gas have tended to, to vary tremendously from country to country. Uh, in the U.S., natural gas prices have been consistently lately around $2 per thousand cubic feet. Uh, at one point in Japan, uh, they were up as high as uh, $16, $17 per thousand cubic feet. Now, those prices have come down because they're now importing a uh, significant amount of amounts of natural gas from Australia, and uh, and that price disparity has gone away. But Europe still pays in the air, in the vicinity of $11, $12 per thousand cubic feet because they're, they have limited supplies of it. Basically, they're uh, uh, dependent on the Russian natural gas monopoly uh, through Gazprom, uh, and, and that's caused prices there to be much higher. But uh, in much the same way we've seen oil become a global commodity because it can be transported not only by pipeline but also by supertanker, we're going to see natural gas also become more of a global commodity and, and hopefully see some of that, those price differentials go away uh, you know, like I said, ranging from $2 here in the U.S., maybe $0.75 cents in uh, Qatar, to $11 in Europe. Um, Are there countries that desperately need access to the natural gas uh, and other uh, commodities that could help expand their life expectancies, countries maybe like in Africa that are not having access, with us having the ability to export these products more? Do you see that dynamic changing in any way for the betterment of those countries? Well, in the case of Africa, I don't really see much of an impact. Africa, East Africa, uh, for example, already has uh, substantial quantities of natural gas. In fact, they have the prospect to export it, but uh, unfortunately that's going to require some uh, political stability, which isn't currently present in a lot of countries there. So I'm not so, I really think the impact is going to be more in in developed countries. Japan uh, has, uh, uh, since the Fukushima incident, exhibited uh, a a really strong appetite for more natural gas. And of course, Europe has uh, been using natural gas, uh, uh, not only for uh, heating, but for, uh, you know, vehicle applications, a lot more than than we have, for example, in the U.S. Uh, Now that we have so much of it here in the U.S., in fact, that's still continues to be an area of interest, of, of prospective growth for natural gas usage. Uh, fleet vehicles have, have been making, uh, uh, or fleets have been making the conversion to natural gas just because the economics are so powerful, but increasingly we're starting to see other types of via passenger vehicles, uh, not necessarily related to fleet usage, uh, starting to use natural gas as well. So, Dr. Tunstall, tell me, are there any, uh, do you have any idea of any oil and gas companies that stand to gain the most sooner than later by the ban being lifted? Who do you see will really be able to take advantage? Well, which companies? Sure, and I, I don't necessarily have, I'm able to name the names of any players, but it, it, it'll be the companies that are in the best position in terms of the supply chains that I, I mentioned earlier. They'll have access to pipeline capacity to get their oil from uh, south or west Texas or other places to the Gulf Coast, and then the shipping capacity to get it to uh, customers that uh, will have to be lined up, uh, presumably in Europe, but uh, ultimately, you know, potentially, you know, in a lot of places uh, across the globe. So more of the uh, oil and gas companies that have more of an integrated type of service, that they're not just focusing on a more upstream, but they have upstream and midstream involved in them? In well, the or, or if they've contracted for those services. I mean, they don't necessarily have to own them. In fact, you know, in, in, in the era of companies really focusing on core competencies, it doesn't necessarily make sense for an exploration and production company to own a midstream, i.e. pipeline capacity or, or storage capacity that can, you know, all those services can be outsourced, shipping, et cetera. So, um, 
so it's it's really more access to it than actual ownership of it and full vertical integration. That's that's not necessary to to make this happen. From a from a geopolitical point of view, lifting the export ban and allowing U.S. oil on the world market, what is that going to do to the to the players and the in the stage that's already in place on the world market? And I, I know a lot of this is just opinion at this point, but because none of us has there's not a crystal ball on the table, but what do you feel like is going to change on the world stage? If you buy the premise that Saudi Arabia initiated full production and essentially a price war to drive the shale producers out of business, this change in the the rules for oil export will only heighten their concern uh, because now uh, previous to the uh, when the export ban was in place, uh, u s oil really couldn't be sold uh, in places potentially like Europe and Asia, which is where Saudi Arabia, particularly Asia, where they like to sell their oil. Uh, now that U.S. oil in the form of West Texas Intermediate can be sold in Asia. So uh, it's conceivable that to some extent uh, U.S. oil could be competing with uh, Saudi or other OPEC member oil for market share. Uh, so um, so that, that could be an interesting dynamic. I, I, I uh, you know, Saudi Arabia is already concerned about the prospect of Iran now exporting crude oil, which it appears that they're about to do. Uh, you know, the whole reason Saudi Arabia decided not to cut production, and in fact, has, has, has ramped it up to apparently as close to full capacity as they can manage, is because they were concerned about loss of market share and didn't think they really could do anything about price. So uh, uh, so that, that these days, that appears to be their number one concern is, is a either regaining or holding on to market share. Well, Dr. Tunstall, as always, it's a pleasure to have you come in here and enlighten us on some developments that are occurring in Eagle Ford Midland and how does the oil and gas brace and deal with uh, what is occurring now and uh, what could be occurring in the near future. Um, so as always, thank you so much for coming and being a guest on our show, and we look forward to you coming back into studio in the near future. My pleasure. Thanks, Kim. Dr. Tunstall, thank you for being a part of the show today, and uh, congratulations because you get to be the topic of today's trivia question. If you're the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shalemag.com, you'll win a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. Today's trivia question, Dr. Tunstall holds what position for the Institute of Economic Development at UTSA? Please email your response to radio at shellmag.com. That's radio at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com. And remember, the first correct email wins a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in beautiful Houston. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.